We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Chris Biederman is still on assignment, so I will be flying solo to talk about day two of the NFL draft. Day three, I should have a guest alongside me to recap day three and then just the draft as a whole. Very interesting day two to dive into. Uh, but first, I want to shout out. I've been meaning to do this for a couple weeks, and I and I keep forgetting. And I I told myself that I was going to make sure to do it on <laughs> on this pod. I uh, just wanted to shout out uh, Rory Roberge, who I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's a listener who's in the military, and during his last tour uh, in Iraq, he sent over um, to to Chris and I a couple of really cool items, 49ers related items from that tour. Um, and I just wanted to thank him on the pod for that. Um, because it's, uh, it's, it's super meaningful, uh, to get something from somebody who's, uh, currently serving. Um, so just wanted to, to shout him out and shout out to anybody who is serving or has served or who will serve. Um, you are greatly appreciated every single day. So just wanted to say that off the top. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory! Kittle is gonna go! Touchdown! Bosa's well, got him in a second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. All right, day two of the NFL draft is in the books. The 49ers stood pat with their three picks. They're one in the second. They're two in the third. And an interesting day, to say the least. Um, they they didn't necessarily. Let's uh, we'll we'll just go pick by pick, and then and then we'll and then we'll assess later. So they they stood pat at number sixty one, and they took USC defensive end Drake Jackson. 6'3", 254, he had 12 and a half sacks in three seasons with the Trojans, 25 tackles for loss. Had a pretty impressive 20% pressure rate that was uh, right up there with the other top edge rushers in this class and almost double that of number one pick, Trayvon Walker. Um, This pick makes a lot of sense. The 49ers needed some help on the edge and 
a player like Jackson, who is very athletic, like when you watch him, the athleticism just kind of jumps off the screen. He There's so many reps where he just blows by an offensive lineman or gets past him with just a quick stutter step. Um, he's got a wicked spin move. And at just 21 years old, you love the idea of a project edge rusher coming in into a situation where he can be coached up by Chris Kosurik. He can play alongside the likes of Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa, and he can take on a rotational role early in his career to really let that athleticism develop. He looks like he looks like he has a frame that can even fill out a little bit. Um, I'm guessing in year one, he will mostly just play on the edge in in passing situations, but we'll see. Uh, this this pick makes, like I said, it makes a lot of sense to me. Where it's 61, yeah, to the 49ers need offensive line help for sure. But, I mean, you got to take the best player on your board. The Niners have too many, like, fringe needs where, where okay, they don't have to, you know, get a starter at that position, but they could definitely use better depth and maybe a player who could push one of the starters. In Jackson's case, it's a player like Samson Abukam. You know, maybe he maybe he winds up surpassing him on the depth chart at some point and, and, and outsnaps him at some point during the season, but anytime you can add a player on the edge that you think is going to, is going to help, especially in this Niners defense, which is, which is built around that pass rush. It's built front to back. If there's a defensive end sitting at the top of your board, you you go after it. And I would have, I would have listed if you were listing the Niners top three or four needs edge edge rusher was on there. And honestly, it's probably going to be on there for every team every single year. So I love this idea by the 49ers. One interesting note on this, Cincinnati traded up to 60, one spot ahead of the 49ers to take Nebraska cornerback Cam Taylor Britt. So perhaps the 49ers had their eye on him. He is a pretty versatile defensive back who had a visit with San Francisco. So Cincinnati maybe got word that the 49ers were going to take him if he fell to 61, but instead they find an edge rusher. And I think defensive back and edge rusher were kind of in that same vein as far as need goes, where you'd like some depth and maybe somebody that can push a starter. So that's what happened at 61. The 49ers wound up not taking an offensive lineman. Cam Jurgens, the center from Nebraska, who had been mocked a couple times to the 49ers, Chris on our podcast said that he thought Cam Jurgens would be the Niners pick. He got taken by Philadelphia at number 51. Trey McBride, who is my personal draft crush for the 49ers, uh, the tight end from Colorado State, he went to Arizona at number 55. So the Niners didn't even get a shot to take those guys. And with with the picks they made, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit, it doesn't seem like they were too interested in moving up. I think they they had enough players on their board that they were perfectly comfortable sitting there at 61 and not having to give up any of their other picks later in the draft. Now, maybe they'll move around on day three, but they were content to, to sit at 61, 93, and 105 on day two. That 93rd pick is where things get really interesting. So they took LSU running back Tyrion Davis-Price, six foot two eleven, In his career at LSU, he ran it 379 times for 1,744 yards and 15 touchdowns. He really didn't break out till his third year, though. That was last year. And he had 1,003 yards, six touchdowns, and 211 carries. This is interesting. Because the 49ers between 2018 and 2020 did not draft any running backs. They took Joe Williams in the fourth round in 2017. We know how that worked out. It didn't. 
And then last year, they trade two fourth-round picks, two fourth-round picks to get into the third round, the top of the third round, not the top of the third round, but middle of the third round, to draft Trey Sermon out of Ohio State. We know how Trey Sermon's rookie year went. He was a healthy scratch in week one. He played a little bit. He carried the ball 41 times when Elijah Mitchell was hurt. But outside of that was was really a non-factor. And then he got hurt on special teams. He only played in nine games. And then in the sixth round, they take Elijah Mitchell, who wound up having a monster rookie year. And was, I think, eighth in the league in rushing, despite only playing 11 games. And was really just a workhorse back for San Francisco. In a way, they really haven't had a workhorse back under Kyle Shanahan. So it's fascinating that they would then take a running back in the third round again. They re-signed Jeff Wilson Jr. They re-signed Jermichael Hasty. It looked like they were just going to run it back, no pun intended, with, with that running back room. And maybe add, maybe add a player late or, or an undrafted free agent to, to throw into the mix. But using a third round pick to me says two things. One, it tells me they're, they're not super optimistic about Trey Sermon and what he's going to bring. And two... This has to work. Like, they can't miss on a running back in the third round again. Davis Price is going to need to be a factor. Whether he is the third down back or it turns into a more... Remember the the committees we saw with the Niners backfield in 2018, 2019, and 2020. Maybe that's the plan, and they think that, that Davis Price can give them an Elijah Mitchell-type impact. And they wind up splitting carries to take some of the load off Mitchell because Mitchell battled a ton of injuries as a rookie. Like I said, he only played 11 games and he was regularly 20 plus carries, 25 plus carries. So maybe the Niners don't trust Wilson or Sermon or Hasty to do that. And they think Davis Price can. But I can't fathom for the second year in a row taking a running back in the third round and, and just having him ride the bench or, or be a in-case-Elijah-Mitchell-gets-hurt type of player. So there's a lot riding on this pick. Given the success that they've had with sixth-round picks like Elijah Mitchell and, and undrafted players like Raheem Mostert. Now, granted, he wasn't he was undrafted before he got to the 49ers, but you get it. And, and Matt Breida, even Jamichael Hasty, who saw a ton of playing time last year, was undrafted. Jeff Wilson Jr. undrafted. So this is this is a very big swing by the 49ers because in, in that third round, like they have other needs. They could have addressed the offensive line. And we'll talk about the fact that they didn't address the offensive line in a minute, but they could have done that. They could have gotten secondary help. They could have gotten wide receiver help earlier than they did. They wound up taking a receiver at 105, and we'll get to him. But that pick could have been very, very valuable for them. And it still can if Davis Price is a good player. And they're going to need him to be good, and they're going to need him to contribute right away. This, can't, this cannot be another Trey Sermon situation where it's like, eh, let's wait and see how it goes. Unless, of course, Trey Sermon is awesome. Maybe Trey Sermon comes into camp this year, he gets, he gets into the offense of Trey Lance, and he breaks out, and everything's great. And, and Davis Price is, is now just an additional running back. You don't love it then, but it's, it's a little more palpable, but if Trey Sermon's going to be a non-factor and then Davis price also becomes a non-factor, that's two third round whiffs. And you cannot, you can't consistently do that. 
if you want to extend these Super Bowl windows the way the 49ers want to. I understand the the idea of of scrapping picks, picks don't matter, but on some level they do. Especially late day 2 picks. You have to hit on those. And that's what's going to supplement your high price talent is those cheaper draft picks in rounds 3 through 7. Rounds 4 through 7. So missing on third round picks isn't a thing the 49ers can afford to do. So the Tyrion Davis price selection has to work. He has to be good. He has to contribute. There's not really two ways around it. And if Trey Sermon breaks out, then we can talk about it then. But right now, based on the evidence we have, it's tough to see that happening, right? So that's what the Niners running back room looks like. That was their second their second pick on day three. Their third pick is SMU wide receiver Danny Gray, six foot, a buck 86. In two years at SMU, 82 catches, 1,251 yards, 13 touchdowns. But the fascinating thing about Gray is that he ran a 4-3-3-40 at the, at the combine. And the more important thing is he looks that fast. Like when you just, I, you, you go to YouTube, type his name in and watch him play. He is, he is actually fast. And in an offense where you have Trey Lance at quarterback, he has the bigger arm. You might see the 49ers stretching the field vertically a little bit more. They don't really have a player that can do that. Brandon, Ayuk can get down the field. Debo Samuel's capable of doing it. Um, they, they brought in Ray Ray McLeod from, from Pittsburgh. I, I don't know how big of a factor he'll be on offense. He brought him in mostly for special teams, but gray has actual like, Oh shit speed. Like he has the type of speed that defenses have to account for. Like when he's on the field, I hate it. every, every time there's a fast wide receiver. Now it, it you, you, you draw the Tyree Hill comparison, but I'm, I'm wondering if the 49ers are thinking he'll have that type of impact where he can just kind of warp a defense in a way that Kyle Shanahan can can exploit. So I love the idea. I love the idea of a receiver at 105, last pick of the third round. He brings, he's not, he's not, he's six foot 186. He's not big, but he's not like a tiny receiver. You feel okay putting him on the outside and having him stretch the field. And he can do a little bit of everything. He's not a one-trick pony. He's not like a he runs go routes and that's it. He can, he can. He can play. He can affect the game at all three levels. That's my favorite thing to write (laughs) about receivers. He can affect the game at all three levels. And I think Gray is capable of doing that. And when you add that kind of speed into an offense like Kyle Shanahan's, that's when things get fun. So if he can play, you see where there's not a receiver like him on in the Niners offense. And I think that's an important thing when it comes to building a receiving core now is how many different types of players do you have? It's not, hey, Kyle Shanahan likes this type of route runner with this type of speed. And, and no, if you could build a receiving core, of course, of, of, of five guys who are like Julio Jones, like prime Julio Jones, cool. Because that, that, a player like that is big and fast and strong and can do a little bit of everything. But they don't have a player like Danny Gray who is just flat out track star type of fast. So I love the idea. 
you can very easily see how he fits in a receiving core, even if he's the fourth receiver behind Ayuk and Samuel, assuming Samuel comes back, and and Jawan Jennings. If he's the fourth receiver behind that trio, I I think you're okay with that, with the last pick in the third round. And if he can provide more than that, that's great. So you get the Drake Jackson pick, you get the Danny Gray pick, the Tyrion Davis Price selection, I'm I'm gonna need to see it first. Because as we sit here on Friday night after the after day two of the draft, it doesn't make a ton of sense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All that being said, let's talk about the offensive line, which did not get addressed with any of the 49ers day two picks. This very much looks like a group that they, as the, as the board fell and they got to 61, they said, who's at the top of the board? Drake Jackson. Great. Take him. All right. 93. Who's at the top of the board? Davis price. Okay. Take him. And then the same thing with Danny Gray at 105. They addressed positions of need for the most part, but not like of dire need, like the offensive line. And I think that tells us a little something. At first, I thought that this was an indicator that that Alex Mack might be coming back. The fact that the 49ers didn't make any kind of move to trade up to draft a center. We saw them do that with Joe Staley's retirement a couple years ago. Uh, on day three of the draft, they made the trade to acquire Trent Williams right before Joe Staley announced his retirement. But there wasn't any such trade by the 49ers. Sorry, my cat is walking in front of my mic. It's fine. There wasn't any such trade by the 49ers. And John Lynch got asked about it after after day two of the draft was done. He said that Mac has not made a final decision and that the situation at that the situation remains fluid. Easy for me to say. That's per Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area. So maybe the Niners go that route on day three if they get word from Mac. Maybe they are waiting to hear from Mac and then they'll sign JC Treader from Cleveland and do the um, do the veteran route for another year. Maybe they really like Jake Brendel. I don't know. 
but they didn't add a center. They didn't add any guards. So that tells me they either don't like this interior offensive line class or they are comfortable going into the year mixing and matching with the players they have on the roster because they've invested in their offensive line. Not not premium draft capital, but Aaron Banks is a second-round pick. They have to rely at least a little bit on Aaron Banks to be good. They have to. They, they He has to be a guy for them, and they're going to give him opportunities to do so. And maybe they've seen something this offseason that, that has enhanced their belief that he can step in and be the starting left guard in his second season after not playing much at all as a rookie. So he was a second-round pick last year. I think the 49ers are going to be relying on him. You have Jalen Moore, who was a fifth-round pick last year that they brought in to be a guard. He wound up having to play tackle and never really got to work in at guard. I, I am of the belief, and Chris is of the belief, and Chris has seen him far more than I have. Chris is of the belief that Jalen Moore can be one of their five best offensive linemen. And if that's the case, the 49ers may believe it too, and they think that Jalen Moore is capable of winning one of those two guard spots. They bring back Daniel Brunskill, who could they use an upgrade over him for sure, but if he's your starting right guard, it's not the end of the world. So if they are just penciling in Brunskill and crossing their fingers that they find a replacement, but knowing that if they don't, they they have a you know at least a, an average to slightly below average starting right guard, they just need to fill in that left guard spot and they can do so with either Banks or Moore or Colton McKivitz, a college tackle who was brought in to play guard and who hasn't played a ton of guard in his two years. I'm sure he'll get a shot. Um, I mentioned Jake Brendel. Maybe they give him a shot. Um, there are, there are options on the roster already. And perhaps that's what the front office is looking at. Maybe that's what the coaching staff is looking at. They looked at this draft class, didn't see any significant upgrades over what they already had on the roster, and they're going to let uh, the Moors and the Bankses and the Brunskills just duke it out for the starting jobs, and then they'll figure out the center thing when they have to. That's that's my thought anyway, and that's why I don't think we saw them address offensive line, which is the biggest hole in their roster. They ostensibly have two starting jobs open of the five on the line and possibly a third if Alex Mack hangs up his pads. So that's what the 49ers did on day two. Drake Jackson, a defensive end from USC, Tyrion Davis-Price, a running back from LSU, and Danny Gray, the wide receiver from SMU. They added speed with Gray. They added a ton of athleticism on the edge with Jackson. And then we'll see with Davis-Price, man. That is a fascinating pick. Because for them to take him at 93, they have to really, really believe in this guy. Believe in this guy enough that he's going to take snaps from Elijah Mitchell, who they leaned on as heavily as they did a season ago. So very, very interesting to say the least. Day three, the 49ers are going to be active on day three. They have the 134th pick. That's their round four selection. In round five, they have pick 172. Those are their own picks. Then in round six, they have 187 via Denver. They also have two compensatory picks in the sixth round, 220 and 221. And then they have Mr. Irrelevant, round seven, pick 262. It's a compensatory pick, the final pick in the draft. And that's how day three will wrap up. I'm guessing we'll see more activity in the trade market from the 49ers on day three as they maybe target some players that they really like. We've seen them be really successful at this point of the draft. DJ Jones, George Kittle. There's others I'm missing, I'm sure. But if they can find 
another quality player or two with with their six picks on day three, they could have a nice little draft class here. So I'll be back tomorrow. I should have a guest and we'll break down day three and just kind of the draft as a whole and where the 49ers sit um, after the three-day affair. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. I do really appreciate it. Please subscribe if you have not done so. And if you do so, tell a friend. Say, hey, you subscribe to Candlestick Chronicles? You should. And then when they say why, tell them to listen and they'll figure it out. Or they can tweet me and I'll, and I'll talk to them about it directly. <laughs> please, please don't do that. My mentions are already a dumpster fire. All right. Talk to you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.